You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Once again, it is great to have you here in person, those online or at at-home locations. This is my first time speaking, preaching with people in the building like this in a very long time. You guys look beautiful, and uh, I am excited about today. Um, I don't know if you are, it's like Christmas in August without the presents. You are the presents. And um, so thank you for joining us, and uh, if I have the chance to meet you, my name's Nick, I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, my name is Jason, I'm the worship and arts pastor here, and this is my first time just speaking and not being back there. Um, you may uh, know me from being back there playing we guitar. We debated whether or not to have Jason hold a guitar. Yeah, if, if, like, if you see, talks. if my hand's just kind of doing this while we're up here, just ignore it. It's just like, He's just playing doesn't know what chord. else to do. This doesn't know what to do right He's now. He's playing the G suspended chord. Is that right? Y- yes. That's uh, the holy of, of, holiest of all chords, G sus. G sus. There you go. There's a good joke. We got a joke there you in. Go. We got there a we joke go. in. Yeah. All right. And there a music go. joke. Even better. That makes me happy. Uh, so today, we actually, we want to start by talking about how, uh, how strange uh, you, you guys are, how strange all of us are today. Because today, as with most normal Sunday mornings, and in 2020, we have to say normal, because of course there are those watching online who normally would be with us as well. And we're looking forward to when you are with us. But on most normal Sunday mornings, you got up on a day that was not a work day. You got up early, even though you didn't have to go to work. And then if you're a parent, you got your kids ready. You got them out of their pajamas and went through, through that whole ordeal um, to bring them here and look presentable, even though they didn't have to go to school. And then you joined uh, a bunch of other adults in this kind of oddly shaped building here so that you could sit on these kind of padded, slightly padded pews, right? Um, and uh, all these other grown-up adults, they also have jobs and lives and responsibilities, other things they could be doing. They even have living rooms with couches and televisions that they could be watching right now. But instead, you all chose to come here so that you could sit in these padded wooden pews. Um, and then uh, we joined all the other grown-ups in singing together, and we paused in the middle of the singing so that we could all drink little shots of grape juice, right, and some slightly edible wafers, um, which, let's be honest, we're all thinking, those little packages there, we're all thinking they were packaged when someone with the name, last name of Bush was still the president, and we're not sure which one, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, and now you're sitting in those padded pews again, uh, slightly padded pews, so you can listen to us talk about a book that was written like thousands of years ago, right? So there's a lot of things that we do every Sunday morning that to someone on the outside looks kind of, can look kind of strange. And of course, we know why we do these things. There are reasons why we do these things. And uh, we're not going to go into all of those today, but we want to focus on just one of those. And that's, that's the one, why do we sing? Why did we do this singing thing together? And uh, I want to start answering that question with a story um, from my life. It's a story that kind of impacted my journey here to Calvary and in doing, you know, this leading the singing thing. So um, if you may not know this about me, but I grew up right here in the Irwin area. In fact, I went to uh, preschool at Calvary here when I was was young and had hair. And uh, in 2004... That was like, like, what, five, six? 
Yeah, yeah I started balding at seven. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a weaver trait. Um, so uh, in 2004, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to go to college at a, a school called Belmont University. And uh, shortly after I graduated from Belmont, I was still living in Nashville, and my wife and I, we were attending uh, a great church there in the city. And this church had a ministry where they reached out to the homeless population in Nashville. It was a really, really cool ministry. And one of the things they would do is every Sunday after church, um, they actually uh, had a free lunch for people who were homeless or people who were hurting that could come have a free meal and get ministered to. And they usually had about probably 100 to 200 people that would walk there because it was right in the city. In fact, um, if, you, if you've ever been to Nashville and you see where Music Row is, that was the church was like right on Music Row. So people in the city could just walk right there for lunch. It was a free lunch. And my wife and I, we started serving um, on a rotation along with other people that were on the worship team at that church as, where we would, during that lunch, we would... Um, just share some music and share some worship songs while they were eating. And it wasn't something where it was like a worship set where everybody sat down and we sang together necessarily, but we just shared uh, some uplifting worship songs. And if people knew them, they sang along. If not, they just enjoyed it while they ate. And it was something uh, that you would kind of question. You could say, well, why were you bringing songs to people who maybe didn't even have a home? That's not what they needed right? These were people who had really great needs in, in their life. There were people who needed a warm place to sleep that night. There were people who, uh, who needed food so they didn't go hungry. There were people who were addicts. They needed help with those things. They didn't need songs. Why would I bring songs to them? That didn't make sense. But it was amazing how much that would affect the room. There was a transformation that would happen in the room whenever we were singing these songs of praise and worship. Normally, there was like a heaviness and the tension in, in that room. In fact, sometimes there were leaders that would have to break up fights and kick people out because these were people who were hurting and there was tension in the atmosphere. But that changed when we were worshiping in the room. You could see the faces change and, and from a place where, uh, where they were tense and they had heavy burdens, but yet God's presence came while we were singing these songs of praise, and a transformation happened. And uh, people left not just with their physical needs met, but with their spirits refreshed. And God put something, um, he used that to put something fresh in my heart, too, because it was when I saw that experience, where I saw how much just a couple people worshiping in the room could change that room, that God put a fresh desire in my heart for me to lead those songs that would lead people into his presence. Singing wasn't the obvious choice there, but it made such a great impact. And as we're talking about this idea of why we do things we do at church, I don't know if you've ever asked this question about things in your own life, like why do you do certain things uh, in, in your own life? For, for example, why do you look at your phone so much? A study in 2019 shows that Americans check their phones 96 times a day. Uh, that's once every 10 minutes, which means you've been here for a little while. You've probably checked your phone like four or five times. That's crazy. Or, or why does your husband always leave the bathroom looking like a water bomb went off? Does he not see that? Or, or why does your wife insist on moving things that you place in specific places all over the house so you don't lose them? Doesn't she realize you did that purposely? Uh, or, or why does your coworker always have to talk about their cat? Like, I've heard enough 
those cat stories for a lifetime. I don't need to hear any more. Or why, why does your boss have to give the corniest jokes in the world? And, and while God can't even answer why your spouse does what they do or why your boss says what they say, God is pretty clear about the why behind a lot of things we do here in church, and specifically the value of worship. And, and to understand uh, this crazy idea of of worshiping corporately together and why we do this, you have to rewind a little. It's important uh, for us to unpack this idea of worship first and foremost before we talk about why we do this collectively. And and in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul uh, gives us this really interesting perspective of this idea of worship. Here's what he wrote in, in Romans 12 verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Can you say with me, true and proper worship? True and proper worship. Can we do that one more time? True and proper worship. That's good. That was the first time I could do that in like six months. So I did that with a camera, and I didn't hear anything. I was just like, cricket. So thank you. True and proper. He's saying this, what I just said, living, living sacrifice. Speaking of living, that's true and proper worship. And he goes on, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, Paul writes here in, in Romans 12 that different from the Old Testament idea, where in the Old Testament you brought dead animals to the tabernacle, to the temple, and they sacrificed them on an altar. Different from that, as followers of Jesus, we ourselves are living sacrifices. That, that, that this is God's will. This is, this is an act of worship, that it's good, it's pleasing to God, it's ultimately holy. And, and Paul builds on this, and he shares that in taking this view of life and worship, it actually helps us bring clarity what, to, to what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Like, that when we are living sacrifices, when we're worshiping in that way, it brings clarity to our lives. That, that, that in worship, there's a clarity that comes even in the midst of the chaos of our world. And, and if, I, I would think many of you would agree we live in the midst of chaos in our world. Worship reminds us where we are, who we are, and who God ultimately is, even when things are difficult. Yeah, so what about this idea of gathering together in worship, or what we would call corporate worship? I mean, why do we do this? Is it just like a big karaoke session? Is it just like the people here on stage, we really need you to sing so we can feel better about what we're doing? Uh, you know, what is this about? So let's look in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews 10, it says, in verse 10, 22, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the author of Hebrews here is building on what Paul outlined in Romans. Yeah, and and true and proper worship is found in how we live our lives but living our lives isn't something that's just easy. Like, it's easier said than done. It's really difficult sometimes. When, when I was in college, uh, I played soccer for four years. And one of the things I hated about soccer is conditioning. 
I hated conditioning. And at the beginning of every season, we'd have weeks where we just ran and ran and ran. And I just it did not enjoy it. It was exhausting. I was sore the whole time. I didn't want to run. And you know, honestly, the thing that kept me going at practice every single day wasn't, I just want to run because I'm going to look good. I just want to run because it's going to feel good. It was my teammates. The fact that like, there were teammates right there. Maybe it was because, you know, I, I didn't want to let them down. Maybe it's because I didn't want to look bad in front of them. Either way, they, they pushed me, ultimately, to be better. Yeah, and so the same is true with the idea of worship. When we are gathering here together, while our individual times are, of worship are great, whenever we take time, whatever, whether it's in the car to worship by ourselves on the way to work or, or in, you know, just at home in our, devotional, or in our devotional times, that's important. But when we come and we gather here together on Sunday, then we are doing something that we are glorifying God together. It's an exercise of glorifying God together, which then is spurring each other on. We are spurring each other on towards love and good deeds, just like it says in Hebrews. And as it mentioned in Romans, when we do that together, it helps to also bring clarity to God's will for our lives, for what he desires to do in our lives and here in Calvary and in the church. You know, one of the things that I missed during this quarantine over the last several months were those moments in worship where I could hear the entire church just worshiping together. When you can hear those collective voices. I've reflected back on this a lot and came to this conclusion that corporate worship uh, like that is such a healthy reminder of what God's will is for my life, which is to be connected to other believers, to be in healthy community. Yeah, yes, it spurs me on toward good things that God desires, but it also reminds me of what God ultimately wants, unity. And, and here's the simple idea that we want to share with you today. It's this, worship reminds me who is with me on my journey. Worship is a really important reminder. Who ultimately is with me on my journey? Now, now to build on this value of corporate worship, corporate worship and encouraging one another, it's also important to recognize that God's presence is everywhere, or what we might call omnipresent. So, so God's presence, whether you're you know, at the grocery store, at work, at home, at church, God's presence is everywhere. And in Psalm 139, this is what we read in verse 7. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. But then elsewhere throughout Scripture, we see these moments where God localizes or focuses his presence. Moses experienced this a number of times in his life. In Exodus 3, he experiences what we refer to as a theophany or a physical expression of God's presence through a burning bush. In Exodus 33, Moses asks God to, to show me your, your glory. And, and God uh, passes by Moses and gives him a glimpse of his presence. Beyond that, in the Old Testament, there was this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was a really, really important piece of furniture, so to speak, that, that, that God localized, focused his presence around. Uh, it, the Ark of the Covenant would reside in a special room in the tabernacle and later in the temple. And, and moving the Ark even required specific instructions and procedures that God outlined because his holy presence was focused localized on that. Now fast forward to the New Testament and today, and God's presence moves in a different way. God localizes his presence and surrounds something that is God's ultimate aim, and that is unity. 
If we look uh, and we see Jesus actually prayed this before he went to Jerusalem to take up our sins on the cross. He prayed for unity. If we look in the book of John, uh, John 17, verse 20, it says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and that, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And later on in the book of Acts, after Jesus, uh, he died, he rose again, and then he ascended to heaven. And then we see the Holy Spirit come down. And when God poured out his Holy Spirit in the church, he didn't pour his Holy Spirit on individuals that were scattered around Jerusalem or around the nation of Israel, but he poured it out for the first time on a group that was gathered together in unity. In fact, in the the New King James Version, it says, in one accord. And so God has shown that he localizes or he focuses this tangible presence that we felt, I felt that here in the room this morning. He localizes that in a tangible way when there is unity together in his people. And this is why Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Because unity isn't possible by ourselves. It can't be possible with just one individual, but it's with two or more. And just like in that story that I shared earlier, where there were just two people, it was my wife and myself that were singing these songs of praise in a room. It, God's presence came in that room and affected hundreds of people because we were singing his praises together in unity. And so it's also through God's presence when we're gathered through unity that we are reminded that he is with us just in this point that we want you to take away from today about worship. Worship reminds me who is with me on my journey. Now for some of you watching online or an at-home location, what we're talking about isn't exclusive to those that are in this room. This is what's amazing about the technology we have available to us in 2020. But while worship at your at-home location or on your phone might be a little bit different, you still get a taste and glimpse of what we're ultimately talking about. Uh, through our worship today and in, and in the worship we're going to do here in a few moments, we see who is for us, the community that we're part of, who ultimately is with me on my journey. You see, the beauty and value of corporate worship isn't simply found in the music, but in the unity of our declarations together. Because when we come together in worship, it's not just for your benefit individually, it builds us all up collectively. And this is why those individual times of worship and prayer throughout the week are so important. Because if it's all about us worshiping together, we wanna bring our best to corporate worship so that we can get the best of us. And when we first accept Jesus, this is a difficult thing, because when we first accept Jesus, we kind of approach worship uh, almost as a thermometer. Like the environment we're in, we're really affected by. Like if it's, if it's a worshipful moment and the band is leading us, we feel we're ready to worship. But when things are difficult, maybe we're at home and there's no music and we're like, I don't feel it right now. And when we're new to this walk with Jesus, it's difficult to worship in those settings. But as we mature, we should become more like thermostats 
where we set the tone and the temperature regardless of what's happening around us. So I want to encourage you today to do something. I want to encourage you to be intentional about your worship. Don't just let it be haphazard. Don't let it just be a once in a lifetime or every so often type of thing. Set aside time every day to worship and to pray. Yes, on your own. Why? Because worship reminds me who is with me on my journey. I don't know about you, but I need that reminder on a daily basis that when I face things in life that are overwhelming, I need to be reminded who's with me on this journey. On top of that, when you join us on Sundays, whether it's online at an at-home location or right here in person, come ready to set the temperature of worship. There's, there's someone in the room or watching online that desperately needs to be reminded who's on the journey with them. They need your worship to spur them on. Come prayed up. Come worshiped up. And let's worship God together as we get to be part of this beautiful picture that the Apostle John writes about at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the room and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God together, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. We're given a beautiful picture there in Revelation of what this is going to look like in heaven because you see in heaven you're all just going to be drafted into the choir there isn't even tryouts you're just in <laughs> and we're going to be doing this together for a long time because this is something that is close to God's heart worshiping him together in unity so we want to close today and we want to practice that we want to practice that for when we get to heaven together someday and we want to practice for next week so when you come back next week we want to be intentional about worshiping for those next to us even for those worshiping online, that we would be spurring one another on. So would you, would you stand? And we're going to sing this song that is, is something that we see in Revelation where they say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy, holy is He, the Lord God Almighty. We're going to sing this together today. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 